1: Hello and welcome to Broads and Books. I'm Amy and I'm Erin and this is a special Broads and Books
0: bonus episode. Today on the Broads Talk Books with we've got Lauren Marino, author of
1: Bookish Broads. We recommended her book and also just love the kismet here. Broads. Broads. talking about broads. Broads, books, bookish broads. Yes, it was meant to be. It was. And we talked about what it means to be a broad, how book editing affects her reading, Her love of Dolly Parton, which... That was... I mean, we can talk about that for a long time. Come on. Yeah. And what she's looking forward to in pop culture with quarantine past us.
0: We put all the books and other things Lauren mentions in the show notes so you can add them all to your TBR
1: pile. And now, here's our interview with Lauren Marino.
0: First off, I want to congratulate you on an excellent name. the book
2: well we love it (laughs) yes i I mean i love it i came up with this and then i found your podcast and it was so exciting i said ah we obviously all you know think alike broads and books bookish broads you are the epitome of bookish broads
0: and broads is such a great descriptor (laughs) right for the kind of women that we like Right. Mm -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm. Originally, you know, when I first wrote the proposal for this to give to my agent, I called it "Bookish Broads and Literary Ladies," and he was like, "He was like, you know what? Let's just get rid of the literary ladies." It sounded a little too prim, bookish. So I was like, "You know what? You're right, bookish broads," and they all, even though they might appear prim and proper, um, like literary ladies on the outside, if you're a female writer. You are a broad on the yes, inside. You <laughs> yes. yes, you are. Yes. Yes. Because you have to be brave and you have to be courageous and mouthy and ahead of your time and not really care what other people think too much or else you would never be able to get your words on the page. You Absolutely.
0: So. And to do something that people are not asking for and sometimes actively telling you not to do, mm-hmm. you have to be abroad. Yes. Totally great thinking about you as a young person a kid or a teen yep. do you remember specific books that spoke to you particularly
2: oh yeah I mean you know I I was like I was always always reading I was always obsessed with books you know I was that kid my mom would read to me before I went to sleep and before I could read as we do and um you know, I couldn't read yet, but I would just like, so I'd read the same story over and over again. I just memorized the books. So I could just recite the books, which I think a, a lot of kids do. And I'm sure there's all sorts of educational studies about how that makes you sc- school ready or whatever. Um, but I was always, my mom was a member of the book of the month club and I was so hungry for books that I would just pull, like by the time I was 10, I was pulling books off of her bookshelf and Mm -hmm. reading books that were probably wildly inappropriate, but that I didn't even know were inappropriate because I was so naive, like it just went totally over my head. But, you know, in in my own age group, I certainly, I mean, I I loved, loved The Secret Garden. Mm -hmm. I loved A Little Princess. There was just something about those You know, those stories about these girls and hardship and overcoming it and finding ways to, you know, to be in the world. And the last of the really great Wang Doodles I was obsessed with, which I don't even like that. Julie Andrews wrote that book, but at the time I didn't even know it. And it's a children's book. And it's like a fantastical tale. And I, you know, I just loved it full of imagination um but then as I got a little older it was Jane Eyre you know I probably read Jane Eyre when I was I want to I don't know I always think it was like 10 when I just started reading all of these books that were probably way too advanced for me but Mm -hmm. but between 10 and 12 I mean of course Little Women I read Little Women um and loved it because we all read it and wanted to be Jo you know, we all thought we were Joe. Talk you know, about abroad. Talk yeah. about abroad. Right? <laughs> <Yeah. Like, laughs> right. And then, and you know, and then, like, learning about, uh, like, studying in depth Louisa May Alcott, for Bookish Broads to to see how, you know, how, I mean, we saw it in the most recent version of the movie, like movie version number seven, but Mm -hmm. the fact that she didn't want, there was no marriage in the original story and that the publisher said, but the woman has to get married at the end of the book. Um, and Louisa May Alcott never got married herself. So it's like, you know, roles of what, anyway, I always, you know, I always wanted to be Joe and I always wanted to move to New York and be a writer just like she did. And, you know, pretty, that's pretty much what I did, but it was a long road. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, and so, and Jane Eyre was, uh, you know, just Jane plain underdog and she stood up for herself, despite, yeah, you know, despite everything, and ran away from home, and and just really was just solid in who she was, and brave enough to just follow her heart, no matter, you know, regardless of poverty and not having, to, you know, refusing to be the mistress and. Mm-hmm. Um, ending up being the stronger character. Like I, you know, I just think I always went towards strong female characters, which I think is true of of young women. And, you Mm -hmm. know, back then it was a different, it was sort of a different world. Things have changed dramatically. Um, I mean, I'm not that old, but you know, it was a very, it was still a very different time.
1: But one of the other things that we have talked about on the podcast or people sometimes bring up to us is that at some point in their reading life, there might have been a little stumbling block when they were either forced to read something or they struggled with something that was called a classic. We've talked a lot about ours being Moby Dick. Is there a classic you remember struggling with?
2: I mean, Beowulf. (laughs) 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 I mean, when it's in old English, I think that's a bit of a struggle, a challenge. a bit of a struggle. Yeah, Yeah, Um, for sure. It sounds
0: like you, you, you took on some classics at a pretty early age and really Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the thing yeah. is, I
2: was I read a lot of classics when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was always a voracious reader. I was a geek, a book geek, for sure. And I, you know, I was. I was in AP English in high school. And so whatever we read, I had probably read already. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would say like even maybe Fahrenheit 451 or Animal Farm or 1984 were not my favorites. I mean, I like Fahrenheit 451 because of the whole book burning thing, but I'm not, you know, I'm not really a science fiction or politically, you know, I love satire, but Mm I think, I think maybe animal, animal Farm in 1984 were a little over my head. And it's a lot to um,
0: ask of young kids. Yeah, that mm-hmm. stuff. yeah. Yeah, it is very involved.
2: But that, was probably, that was probably high school. But, you know, then in college, I was an English major. Um, I did study 20th century literature my senior year. And I did ha- I, a lot of those books. I mean, I would say almost all of the books in my 20th century literature course were written by men. And I, you know, like I in other courses I read Flannery O'Connor and Eudora Welty and Willa Cather, Um, and I can't even remember what what those uh, electives were. I chose specifically electives that had female writers in them. Mm -hmm. It was not easy to find. And the 20th century literature, you know, it was Joseph Heller, it was Ernest Hemingway, it was John Dos Passos, it was Steinbeck. And I'm just not in love with all those guys. Just never was, and, and they don't speak to me. Even Hemingway, I mean, there are a couple short stories of his, like the hills with, hills like white elephants that I mm-hmm. absolutely love. But I, like, as far as reading their novels, I'm just not, it's just not there for me. And it's quite yeah. either too macho, or it's about war and I don't want to read about war unless it was the civil war. And you know, <laughs> like I, I just think you know, I of course I am a woman. I always want strong female characters and female perspective. So those more macho guy books, just you know, don't do it for me.
0: For sure. Do you mm-hmm. think that, you know, those the strong female characters or any other books? That you read when you were younger. Do you remember reading any of them and thinking, this is what I wanna do? I wanna be a writer.
2: Well, certainly Joe in Little Women. But I mean, I like, I'm the one that was at 10 thought I could be a professional children's writer and sent away to go <laughs> join this thing, which was, and they sent me a very nice note back like, maybe you have to, why don't you wait till you're 18? You know, like, why don't you wait till you're a grown up? Because, but I, I get like, I think I just always had that, I always wanted to be a writer, or yeah. I always was a writer. Like, I have journals and journals and journals from every period of my life. And I've always like, even when I was walking to school in grammar school, like I would, it, it sounds like narcissism run amok, but really I, I like to look at it that it was more of a creative mindset, like you're kind of born with, but uh, like I, I would be walking to school and the birds are, you know, it's like boring. It's just walking to school on the suburban sidewalks of New Jersey. but there were, I I imagine like there was a voice or a camera or like a voice omniscient over me in the clouds that was narrating the story of me walking to school, even though nothing interesting was really happening, but like focusing on the various details. And like, so it's just like, I I, and I've talked to, I always thought I was just a weirdo, but as I, 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 like I've talked to other writers Uh, And I'm, I'm lucky enough to work with writers all the time. And a lot of writers say that they did that too. Mm -hmm. Like they, it's almost like you're the outsider looking into, you know, you're an observer. So I just think I was just born that way. Now learning the skills to be a good writer is a whole nother story. Oh, for sure. And then of course, as an adult having to support yourself and your family, and I'm a single mom and like trying to, you know, like I can't really make a living as a full-time writer. Yeah, I work as a book editor and then I write my books when I can. And the times when I can sit in solitude and just immerse myself in, in writing are the happiest times of my life but it's not like I, I, it only happened. It happens rarely. Like I had a Uh, summer or I had a year when I wrote a book called What Would Dolly Do? Which um, is all about Dolly Parton. And that was like a whole six months Mm -hmm. of just sitting there writing about Dolly Parton and researching her. And I don't think I was ever, I was like, this is happiness at last. (laughs) I finally found it. And it's me by myself with, you know, Dolly Parton records and internet and interviews and then the same thing with bookish broads i sat there for six months and just immersing myself in all of these stories behind the storytellers all of these women's challenges and passions and yeah you know, i i love research and i love writing and it's just but it, it you know it's not my full-time job unfortunately mm-hmm. because it's just not financially viable
0: for most people, I think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah.
1: Definitely. Well, it sounds like thinking about your reading life now that you, you know, probably have a wide range that you read as an editor. Um, is there any books that have
2: surprised you recently or that you really enjoyed? Yeah. You know, I like I'm sometimes b- because I work in publishing and I publish nonfiction. Mm. Like I'm reading all the time mm-hmm. and so much of what I'm reading is, I mean, I mean they're editing manuscripts that are in the nonfiction air and a lot of them are, you know, they surprise me. Sometimes they surprise me by how bad they are and how much work they <laughs> do. You know, like, well, why did I do, th- why did I sign this up? And, you know, but, but I know from having written, I have great and sy- em- sympathy, empathy. I don't know. I know. Like, <laughs> It is so hard to write that I understand everybody needs an editor. So for me to read, like fiction is my pleasure and my Mm. special happy place. But it's, I have to like, I block out specific times, several times a year when I'm not working or when my workload is less. To me, people who write fiction are like magicians. I know that they're not because I know they (laughs) work really hard at it, but it's like, there's a, there's like a sixth sense there's almost like a psychic ability or like such a deep level of sensitivity to see into human nature and to see into where we're at culturally to be able to write about it in a beautiful resonant way. It just kinda, it always always surprises me. Absolutely. I've been writing and I've been working so hard at it. And then I pick up some amazing novel and I'm just like, what? Like I will <laughs> never do this. I will never like, be able to do that. You know, like it's just, yeah. some people are just so gifted And t- You know, it's, it's, so that always, so it, it doesn't surprise me because I've been reading my whole life, but I guess after writing my own things, it surprises me.
0: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, I imagine, yeah, as you were writing bookish broads, that happened a lot. And, <laughs> you know, as we mentioned, we recommended it in a recent episode and we love the the synergy you might say <laughs> yes. between yes. our names. Um, right. When you were conceptualizing the book, when you were writing the book, do you think there were specific authors or books that inspired your your process and your your uh, final book?
2: Well, I you know I started um, you know with nonfiction. You write a book proposal, so mm-hmm. I had I wrote a proposal, and it, 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 like you know like these ideas sort of come to like I know like they're, they're brewing. And they're percolating, and I can feel them coming. But then, when it when it, when it finally comes to me, like this is what it is. Oh my God! It's bookish broads. It's about women writers' for <laughs> history and how you know. It ta- like it takes me maybe six months. The same thing happened with Dolly Parton. It's just like. Things are percolating in my mind yeah. and then something will happen that will be an aha moment. But so with Bookish broads, I, I just started writing about like my favorites or the obvious ones to me or who I thought were obvious, like of, like Charlotte Bronte and Jane Austen and Toni Morrison. And you know, like I started with my own favorites because that was like an easy way in and I already knew a lot about them. What was interesting was as I kept going in, like I had a whole list originally of about 50 female writers that I thought I was going to write about. But then as I got into the research and I started hearing about the, like I started making the connections between how every female writer sort of built on the writers, the female writers that came before them. So then I went way back into like, Lady Murasaki and, uh, you know, Tele Genji and how that had really been the beginnings of the origins of the novel. I, it's like, I went down the rabbit hole and I kept having magical moments while I was studying these women. And then in studying them, they would lead me to new writers. Like I would learn through my research. Oh, this was, ins- she was inspired by, this person and this person and this person. So I would go back into the past. What I ended up writing is completely different from the book that I originally set down to write. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the women I wanted to write about, I did not get a chance to. And, and I learned about a lot of writers that I had not heard of before. What a you fascinating know? experience that yeah, must yeah. have been. been then. Like, I yeah, like I got a PhD in a year on my own time and got paid <laughs> to do it. But I, like I had so much fun doing it, I I would I could spend like the rest of my life writing bookish broads number two and bookish broads <laughs> number three. I mean, it's not going to happen, probably. I mean, who's to out, say? Maybe, yeah, maybe my old age. That's what I'll do just for kicks. But, <laughs> you know, it, it, I feel like that's kind of what you're
1: talking about has been kind of our journey too on the podcast is like, we keep talk to authors or we find this book and it leads us down a path to other books we hadn't heard of. And it's like our favorite part is discovering things that otherwise we might not have come across in any other way. Is there, do you think that there's a book or an author that everyone should read?
2: I mean, I want to say Toni Morrison, I think in the United States, Certainly, Toni Morrison would be a person. I mean, I, you know, it's hard for me to pick like, yeah. or, like one. <laughs> yeah.
0: well, one. One final question, and it's not necessarily book related because, as you may yeah. have heard, we also talk about our pop culture obsessions. We yeah. talk about the podcasts we're listening to, the movies, the, the shows. Do you have a current pop culture obsession?
2: Well, I mean, we're just coming out of the pandemic, so I think for, like, my obsession was that I've watched every single thing on Netflix.
0: <laughs> so just Netflix, in general. So just Netflix,
2: yeah. because if it's on there, I've seen it. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh-huh. Usually, like, you know, my daughter and I watched Bridgerton over, I think it was over Christmas week, like, it came out on Christmas Eve or something, mm. like, that was our Christmas week. We watched all of Bridgerton, Perfect. you know, all at once. I mean, I'm usually behind in pop culture because I'm usually ahead in what's what's coming with yeah. books in the future. I mean, and again, I go through phases. Like I've got, like I went through my Nina Simone phase where I watch whatever happened, Miss Simone. And then yes, I so obsess and listen to Nina Simone music all the time. And then I read biographies about Nina Simone. I mean, currently I don't, like when I went through my divorce, I was obsessed with Jack White. And I listened to Blunderbuss like over and over and over again. Cause that was his divorce album. So, oh and God. then I was like traveling yes. like a deadhead around the country to, to, see, Jack to White? see Jack White. Right. I mean, that's like, a good a crazy, obsession. Yeah. Like a crazy yeah. person, you know, yes. like, so, you know, I, I don't know. I mean what I'm, I'm always obsessed with music of any kind mm-hmm. and learning about new music and my upset. My current obsession now. I'm doubly vaccinated. Finally, is that live music is going to come back? Oh, yes. I cannot wait. I am going to be at every show. <laughs> and I'm not going to be able to travel that much because I have to work, obviously. But you know, if it's in Central Park, I'll be there. I know. I'm going yes. to New Orleans in October for Jazz Fest. And I'm just going to be there for 10 days, ignoring work and children and any other responsibilities. I'm just going to immerse myself in music for 10 days. And, you know, sounds amazing.
0: And also sounds like, yeah, I think going back to live music now after it being gone for over a year, it's going to be so much richer and Yeah. yeah.
2: It's like, a sp- I mean, for me, live music, it's like I have epiphanies all the time. And I have like, it's like a spiritual, religious experience for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's how like with, with what would Dolly do? I mean, I was obviously I was obsessed with Dolly Parton for like two years of my life and I'm still obsessed with her, but mm-hmm. yes. in a different kind of way, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I think the obsession. whole world has been obsessed with her for the past yes. Years, so. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> yes,
1: very much. <laughs>
0: Erin, I like that Lauren, right off the bat gave us a great definition of what it means to be abroad. We yes. are constantly trying to define yes. what abroad is. yes. and she helped us with saying you know
1: a female writer has to be abroad has to be abroad,
0: which I'm I'm all for. Mm-hmm. I like that idea
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. I like to keep our definition and lines around a little loosey goosey. Absolutely, and I but I like I'm, this comes right in. Yes. this fits. I like and it
0: loosey goosey so that we can
1: continue to define
0: it as as things change yes. and morph. And okay, mm-hmm. great. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. I like that she did what we did and read books that were way too advanced at way too early. Yeah, of an age. I
0: really really felt seen. Yes. Yeah, I didn't. Um, Really, I, I pulled some books from mom's shelf, but also uh, the library where yes. you're just on un- an unsupervised. unsupervised. And the librarian says, yes, you can read this entire book on the Holocaust. Nine year old. Go for it. Yeah. yeah. Do, it. Do it. Do it. Why not? I also
1: like that Lauren wrote a book about Dolly Parton. She sure did. Yeah. And I'm here for it. Yeah. Mm hmm. Uh, She's a nonfiction book editor, and she talked about how she has to really parcel her fiction for certain times of year. Which would be really tough. It would be. There's so many times where I'm just feeling a novel. Yes, yes.
0: And nonfiction isn't going to do it.
1: I know. Yeah, that would be very difficult. I've yeah. also been wondered that about editors or people that are yeah. really immersed in the book, how to balance your own personal wants with your professional. That has to be very difficult. Yeah, literary mm-hmm. agents, book editors, it must be. Yeah, difficult.
0: Um, I like that she basically admitted like her pop culture pick was Netflix, and she finished it all. Yeah, and I think we can all feel that yeah. a little bit.
1: Yes. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just rifled on
0: through, right? Just that got sums it all. It up.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that she mentioned how much she loves live music. She got some trip plans. She's excited this summer and fall to get out there. We were all feeling our vac selves, and yes. like I'm going to get some live music in gonna my system. Do it. Do it. Yes sweaty watching
0: <laughs> live music. Yeah,
1: see, that's not a thing for me. But she was really excited so
0: <laughs> it used to be a huge thing for me. These days I'm just it's not mm-hmm. it's not as great mm-hmm. but yeah yeah, it was a big thing. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what We will be back next Wednesday with our regular weekly themed episodes.
1: In the meantime, happy reading.
0: Weird Woman is a Broads and Books production. All nine episodes are available January 10th. Listen and subscribe to Weird Woman on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. That's W-Y-R-D Woman, wherever you listen to podcasts.